Uh, what was the early church doing? What was the church in the wilderness doing? And as usual, I'm uh, backed up against the wall for time and energy. And uh, we're trying to uh, establish uh, so many things on so many fronts with so many different people that it takes a huge uh, block of time and energy and efforts in order to uh, do this work. Uh, the more people that help in doing this work, uh, people like uh, Paul and Scott and and uh, Phyllis who were on the uh, the talk as well as Bobby Mo um, uh, on blog talk that occurred just before this show as our kind of our warm up call in. We hope to have this eventually call in. So I think we figured out a way in order to do it. So we have regular call-ins for the general listeners of the show. We're also planning to syndicate this show. Uh, at least Keys to the Kingdom, uh, at least a half-hour introduction to Keys to the Kingdom uh, on more and more radio broadcasts across the country, reaching out not just to hundreds or thousands of people, but actually millions of people. That's a, that's a tremendous task to do that well. And uh, whenever you're seeking the kingdom, you should do your best and, and uh, put your best foot forward because your very soul uh, depends upon your dedication. The slothful should be under tribute. Only the diligent should bear rule. One of the things that people, when they read the Bible, they read it in the context of modern religion. Uh, they don't read it in uh, the context of what was going on at the time of Christ, at the time of Abraham, at the time of Moses. What were the prophets doing? What were they contending with? Why did Abraham leave Ur? Uh, because his father left. Why did he leave? Because of an injustice. His son was literally put to death. And that concept of putting somebody to death uh, in order to, uh, you know, establish this... Uh, authoritarian rule over people is uh, such a common uh, theme throughout the history of mankind. Millions upon millions upon millions of people were put to death uh, because of their opinions, because they wanted to do something different. Uh, Bobby Moe was talking about how he flew uh, on uh, uh, the uh, uh, air services of the United States uh, traveling from one location to another and they accepted his ID but on the way back they didn't want to accept his ID and uh, he uh, is stopped by a bureaucrat uh, Act, acting as if he is some kind of royal uh, liege and he, that bureaucrat is not interested in looking at his own rules that say he does not need state ID in order to fly he is simply uh, ruling over this individual outside the scope of his authority 
this week we saw a video uh, in uh, it's amongst many of the PCMs that went out to some of the other groups. It depends on if your PCM didn't t- show you the video, how somebody was put in jail under a false accusation of a judge who clearly just simply accused the man of something he did not do and soldiers immediately arrested him and took him off to jail uh, and applied a $5,000 bond to this individual who had not done anything that he was accused of doing. Well, isn't that the theme of Jesus Christ? And why is this allowed to happen? It's because Christians aren't really followers of Christ. They're not followers of the Messiah. They're not doing what he said. They're not tending to the weightier matters of uh, uh, the uh, law, judgment, mercy, and faith. This is what Christ said is that the weightier matters that we should be tending to, and we're not tending to those. But let's get back to the main theme. I'm, I'm, I actually entered into the chat room, which is at www.far.com slash farm slash chat slash. Uh, if you just go to Liberty Live Radio uh, dot uh, com, you can go down to the bottom and there will be a link to the chat room. And I see David C. is in the chat room. Uh, Scott is in the chat room. Uh, somebody uh, uh, named Claude says he's not getting sound. I don't know if that's actually at the beginning of our show. Yeah, I guess that is at the beginning of our show. Uh, Claude, is that Claude in Australia? Uh, looks like it's Claude in Vermont. <laughs> but anyway, uh, they're, they're in the chat room. They can ask questions. Uh, I should open up the chat here in uh, the Skype so that I can get messages from uh, our co-host, Scott, uh, who's not actually, uh, I don't think he's, he's logged on for voice, but he's banning the chat room. So if any questions come into the chat room. So what we're doing is setting up lines of communication.
the topic of this show is, you know, what what was the church doing? What is the kingdom look like? How did it operate? Let's read the biblical uh, context or, or content and the context of history uh, to see. Uh, what that kingdom really looked like. The needs of people haven't changed in thousands of years. We still have the same needs. Uh, we have wives and husbands, children. We have to feed people. We have to take care of people. We have to... Uh, uh, you know, find shelter... Uh, Occasionally, there are calamities that befall us that are natural. Some of them are caused by other men, wars and rumors of wars, things like that. So all the needs are still the same as they have been for thousands of years. How do you fulfill those needs? How do you answer and feed the needs of the people according to the ways of God? Well, of course, Nimrod tried to fill those needs um, I think every time a message comes up I don't know is that going out over the air are you hearing that ding every time we get a message uh, yeah Greg I yeah. just uh, unmuted just so you know in the chat room uh, for Liberty Live right. there's the little uh, emoticons at the very bottom Right. And just above that there's a little bar with some uh, images and you can see a speaker and if you okay. click that speaker that will mute the little uh, okay <laughs> okay I think I did it did I uh, yeah I think we've uh, muted that so there's another little button I have to push <laughs> okay <laughs> so uh uh Thank you, Scott. Uh, so anyway, we uh, back to the the kingdom. What did the kingdom look like? We can see Nimrod was a mighty provider instead of the Lord, uh, a mighty uh, hunter, as we see it translated. But the word is actually provider or provisions normally in the Hebrew. Uh, that system that Nimrod set up was one of exercising authority. Uh, Ur codified the law it wasn't the individuals codifying the law to juries of your peers uh, through a system of precedent it was one individual codifying the laws now you can get really good laws with one individual codifying the laws but you're giving all you're concentrating power in the hands of a single individual and we all know that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely and men who seek power seek more power because that's what they're interested in. I'm not an individual who seeks power. I would rather be weeding in my garden and tending my sheep <laughs> than exercising authority over others. But I also don't want to have authority by other men exercised over me. Uh, I provide services to the extent that I can. We provide information to the extent that we can. We provide, uh, I say I at first, but the reality is there's a lot of people. You just heard Scott's voice. The next week you'll probably hear Paul's voice. We'd like to get the voice of a lot of other people on these broadcasts to see that uh, uh, how 
there are lots of people working behind the scenes to do what Christ said, which is seek the kingdom and to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. That means we have to reach out to as many people as we can to preach the wholeness of the gospel in the context of life. History is the record of our lives. I was talking to somebody, uh, Michael Davis, who was visiting from North Dakota, and I was pointing out that when my father was putting together our family tree, it, a history became alive when I realized that my great-grandmother was living here uh, at the age of 12 or whatever it was uh, uh, when Custer had his last stand. And she was in uh, Minnesota, I think, at the time. We had other relatives in the Dakotas at the time. Uh, these people were alive when these moments in history were taking place because we all live in the context of history and history is the record of that life the bible is about history it is about the record of people's lives and as Wycliffe said it is the book for the government of the people for the people and by the people Today, you don't have a government of and for and by the people. You have a government of bureaucracies. Um, was it William O. Douglas, chief, uh, one of the Supreme Court justices, uh, said that the new George III is the vast bureaucracy that is in power regardless of who you elect as president. And, you know, there are rules that you can fly anywhere in the continental United States and you don't need state ID. It's only for traveling outside of the United States. These are the rules that they've laid down. You would know that by watching the news. But some of the people that are enforcing those rules don't even know them. They don't even want to know them. They don't care. They love the power of their position. And all these, I love the, uh, there was a movie out uh, where some lady had a fear of traveling. She didn't want to go out of her house. She was, uh, well, homophobic or what? No, it's a homophobic. Uh, that's uh, that's another one. She was at a phobia of traveling outside of her home, um, but uh, she ends up in the airport, and uh, the uh, airport guy is going through her luggage and yelling back at her, "Not allowed! Not allowed!" It's kind of a funny scene because I've done enough air travel that that's what you feel like they're doing, whether they actually yell at her or not. <laughs> uh, the reality is is they these are men who seek power they are doing it at minimum wage but they are seeking power in order to annihilate uh, 20 million russians or more i think it's 29 million russians uh, during its own holocaust uh, they had to have lots of people working at minimum wage to make that possible and uh, those people had to be interested in power over others control over others and take a delight in the fact that they can say not allowed uh, as rudely as they want and get away with it. They can grope you. They can do whatever they want because they're the power and you're not. That's the system that people have created. Another conversation we had this week, I think it was with Scott. Yeah, it was with Scott as I was weeding my garden and uh, talking to him about setting up the Skype conference uh, is that in the old days in order to preserve freedom men were willing to line up 
with little wooden shields and sharp metal objects and charged forthwith into uh, the ranks of their uh, opposing force that would oppress them and risk their very lives uh, on the battlefield in order to secure their liberty from uh, authoritarian autocracies. Um, today, people are not willing to make a phone call to tithe even a small portion of what they earn in order to create an army. How did, most people don't know it, when George Washington took his stand against the tyranny of George III, knowing that the new George III is now this vast bureaucracy, according to the Supreme Court Justice William O. Douglas, uh, he bought all the uniforms and rifles with his own money for the Virginia Regiment. Uh, who paid this army? The government? How did they get the money? Who provided the food? Who provided the help? Who provided the assistance? This is an all-volunteer army. The people coming out and standing for righteousness. We got Jay Noon up in um, at the Northeast uh, standing uh, for a tax issue on his property wanting to know how they have the authority to do it, why they don't sign their documents, why they don't give him a jury trial <coughs> excuse me a jury trial for his uh, I'll have to find the mute button so I can clear my throat once in a while without being so rude. But uh, anyway uh, he's testing wh how they have the power to tax your property. Most people don't know it, but Americans came here by the tens of thousands to own property that could not be taxed. Ten-year title in property that could not be taxed by any government because you actually owned it. The reason they can tax your property is you don't own it. Uh, there was a video that was passed amongst the PCMs. I don't know if they all passed it to the people of the network that had a lawyer on there explaining that you know people are going to be surprised to find out they don't own their property. They're actually renters. They don't have a right to the milk and honey of their property. They don't own their land. They're not in the promised land. They're in Egypt again. They don't understand that because they don't understand the context of history. They don't understand that the Bible because they don't understand it written in the context of history. In Goshen, they did not own their land. They had legal title to their land. They didn't even own gold and silver. They had given that all up. They would used something else as money, as if it was money. People think that, you know, they're coming to a cashless society. You're in a cashless society. Federal Reserve notes are not cash. We call it cash now, but 50 to 100 years ago, it wasn't called cash. They were called notes. Cash was actual money, actual valuable uh, instruments. Uh, this is this is very important that we understand how this works, how these systems work. And your ministers and your churches that people are tithing to, so they can buy big screen TVs and make your Sunday or Sabbath morning more entertaining. They're not telling you the truth of the weightier matters of law, judgment, and mercy, and faith. They don't even know what the weightier matters are. They can't even list them off. Yet there you are, people out there, uh, 
helping you get into helping these ministers bring you into a bondage worse than that of Egypt where you had to pay 20% of everything you owned uh, or earned in a given year to the government giving the government tremendous power which eventually corrupted the government of Egypt and you had pharaohs raised up that did not know the benevolence of the original pharaoh and the people were more in bondage than other ever they were back in Babylon again they were back under a new Nimrod called the Pharaoh. And you're under a new Nimrod called the President or the Prime Minister. You're back in Egypt again. You're back in Babylon. You're back in Babylon the Great. And the harlot that rides the beast is the churches that you are tithing to. You are encouraging them to keep you in bondage. You are, you are paying them to teach you how to get into bondage and stay in bondage and to make you as comfortable as possible in your bondage. But God doesn't want you to be bound. He wants you to be free under the perfect law of liberty to practice the virtues that are necessary. Diligently practice the virtues that are necessary for a free society under God, which is the kingdom of God. The right to be ruled by God instead of all these other bureaucrats. Now, we have a system of ID that we've been putting together for years. But it is very important that we are actually identifying one another as if we are part of the kingdom of God. Or as at least seekers of that kingdom. Because most of us are not a part of the kingdom of God. We are in bondage in Egypt. We, we aren't allowed to go out into the wilderness and worship God. The word worship, if you go into uh, your Bible and you look up the word worship all over the Bible. Now, there's, there's both uh, the word worship in the Hebrew and uh, in the Greek. And if you look up the word uh, worship in the Hebrew, there's one word that appears 99 times as worship, but uh, it appears 170 times in the Bible. And they translated obeisance, reverence, fall down, stoop, crouch, because it has that concept in, in the word itself which is uh, Shem Chet uh, Hey. It's the, it's the letters of that word. But it's not the only word that is translated worship in the Bible. There are many words that could be uh, connected to this idea of worship. And, and Daniel, they use a completely different word for worship that's translated worship uh, many times, or at least 12 times, which has to do with prostrate, homage. Uh, there are other words that are also translated uh, worship. Uh, the particular word that you see in Daniel and, and a few other places in the Bible uh, has to do, it comes from a word that means to fall down. And of course, we have fallen down and worshiped other men. Now, they don't want to use that word. If you talk to a preacher and say, well, you're worshiping the government, 
Well, they say, oh, no, we're not. We're not worshiping the government. We only worship God. We do it every week in our church. But in reality, they do worship these people because they fall down and serve them. Uh, I'm getting extra noises here. <laughs> I don't know what they mean. <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, the uh, this idea of uh, serving and worshiping being the same is very important. We'll get to, we'll talk about that when we return to Keys of the Kingdom. Pledge allegiance to the King of Kings and to his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. One holy nation and a heavenly Father, great mercy, justice for all. The Greatest Prophecy DVD from Cross the Border Productions. Embrace the little known but greatest prophecy given by the great high priest. The pre-incarnate Messiah reveals God's once secret plan for mankind. Believe it. Behold the end times in Daniel chapter 2 because the dream is certain and the interpretation thereof sure. It is the key to prophecy future. Comprehend the seven-year great tribulation deception. Be not deceived. Understand the great prophecy delusion because if it were possible they shall deceive the very elect be forewarned America in prophecy exposed for all to see the mark of the beast no it's not a biochip a much better and more secure technology is already here and you are already using it two copies one for you and one for you to give away when you send a support donation of $25 to First Amendment Radio. Use the chip-in event on our website or send $25 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, Tulare, California, 93274. Make copies and give them away. Send $25 cash for two copies of the Greatest Prophecy DVD. That's First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, California, 93274. A wise man is forewarned and prepares for the time to come. The Greatest Prophecy DVD. Now listen to me. The Bible says, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth 
will make them free. They will watch the DVD, Government Takeover of the Church. Who will tell them, if not you? Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Now listen to me. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, I'm finding out what all these noises are. Uh, Evidently, the sound is coming across good, which is why uh, I traveled down here to the Summer Lake Lodge in order to do the program. Uh, Summer Lake Lodge is a uh, supplied accommodations for people who come out to our retreat. We'll probably have another retreat here. Uh, We intend to at the end of September and the 1st of October. if you get on the Living Network at HisHolyChurch.org, uh, you can be a part of planning that retreat. If you want to come, uh, you can work together, carpool together, convoy together, whatever to come. We've got a thousand acres almost here that you can camp all you want, artesian wells with good drinkable water coming right out of the ground. Uh, uh, places uh, we have a trailer park that you can also use for more domesticated services. We would like to uh, provide uh, a lot of services for people who want to come there. We've only had numbers of uh, 30, 40, 50 people at a time that have come to our retreats over the years, but uh, we haven't promoted them. But now the church has uh, got a piece of property that it has access to and control over. Uh, that uh, we will eventually divide it up for uh, training centers, conference centers, uh, shelters for the elderly of our, uh, our, our government, our community, uh, as well uh, the training centers. Uh, there's no end to what we could be teaching and training. Uh, we heard from Phyllis, who's at a STEAM convention. Uh, the reality is... Uh, uh, we've got people that are learning skills all over the country. Uh, Scott was just telling me about it. he built his first rocket stove. Uh, they're looking at making a pizza uh, stove out of cob. Uh, those seem like little skills, but we also have people that are skilled uh, in uh, all kinds of animal husbandry and uh, in electronics. And you know, I've always wanted to raise my kids so that they could. Uh, milk a cow and produce cheese and take a computer apart and put them back together again. And uh, many of my kids can uh, can do that or similar skills uh, that uh, allow them to live in uh, many different environments under many different conditions. And we are to train up our children. And unfortunately, our parents didn't train us all up. They sent us to public pool systems that have taught us a false view of history, which if you read our pamphlet on schools as tools uh, or see some of the information that is in the footnotes of that pamphlet, you will realize that uh, it is absolutely essential that we play a a larger role in the education of our children and the re-education of ourselves and that's what we're going to be talking about is what does what did they do in the regular churches 
Now, if you look up uh, at hisonlychurch.org, use the search engine and look up the uh, articles on baptism and christening, you will see that the uh, early church was accused of not serving the gods of Rome. Well, those gods of Rome were the welfare systems of Rome. That's where they were managed is through those gods. In order to know who was entitled to welfare, they had a system of Bureau of Vital Statistics, which was handled by the Temple of Saturn, and which you register the birth of your children. And then once you knew that they were born into this system, they also had to pay into the system, and they collected your tithe at the point of a sword. And that was the government of the world. That was the world that... Christ's kingdom was not a part of. So the church and the church in the wilderness, the Levites and the ministers of Christ were not just out there talking about Jesus. They were actually feeding the sheep and providing the services of government because Christians didn't have access to the services of the governments of the world because the governments of the world had rulers in them who called themselves benefactors but exercised authority in accordance with the plan of Nimrod and Babylon. So the church was actually a government, and it had to be supported by the people who tithed to the minister of their choice. That tithing was their taxes. They paid their taxes to their government. And this was the argument that you will see in some of the dissertations on our articles on baptism, that they were being accused of not paying into the system of Rome. And, of course, they weren't because their system was not a part of the system of Rome. They had no treaty. They had no connection with it. And uh, they had every right to exist because the procurator of Rome said Jesus Christ is the king of Judea. And that nation, which eventually lost its property in the what we call the promised land today, which has nothing to do with the promised land, because it's not here, it's not there, it's not a place, it's where you do the will of the Father. And you, you do the will of the Father because the Father is in you writing upon your hearts and upon your minds. So there was land connected with the kingdom of God. It just wasn't in Jerusalem anymore after the fall. In Acts 24, uh, you see uh, the uh, first line, And after five days, Ananias, uh, the high priest, descended with the elders and with a certain orator named Tertullus, who informed the governor against Paul. Uh, This Ananias uh, may have been the Ananias who was the high priest at the fall of Jerusalem uh, because uh, uh, Caiaphas was no longer the high priest, yet I believe that Caiaphas was alive in Jerusalem at the time of its fall. And he saw Christ coming upon a cloud as we see in Josephus. Uh, Not that we won't see that again, but that was fulfilled because Jesus told Caiaphas he would see this. So I have to believe that Jesus was telling the truth, uh, whether or not we can rely on Josephus, who says that they did see men standing in the clouds uh, above Jerusalem at the fall of Jerusalem. Uh, I don't know whether Josephus is reliable or not. 
He seemed to be a historian of the time. Uh, there was a lot of information. There uh, appears to be that somebody added a few things to his documentation, but it seems to be fairly accurate. But the reason I believe that uh, this took place at the time of Jerusalem as uh, fall is because Jesus specifically spoke to Caiaphas saying, you, meaning Caiaphas, shall see me coming upon a cloud. And Caiaphas was likely still alive at that time. So I have to believe that Jesus didn't tell a lie. He told the truth. Now, that that's completely contradictory to what you hear from most ministers who are waiting for Jesus to come upon a cloud. Now, that doesn't mean he can't come again. When Jesus said to the apostles, they said, when is the kingdom coming? He didn't say, go back to Jerusalem and wait for 10,000 years. He said, go back to Jerusalem and wait. They went back expecting the kingdom to be coming. The kingdom of God within you. And it was within them ten days later. And the Holy Spirit descended upon them and was within them the same as it was within Christ when it descended upon him at his baptism. But now they were receiving a baptism of fire. And what did they do? They went out and preached the kingdom of God is at hand. They went from house to house, not only rightly defining, uh, dividing the word, but also the bread. They set up a system to take care of the welfare of the widows and orphans and needy of their society. In pure religion, unspotted by the world, meaning the constitutional order or system of government. So what would they do in their church meetings? Would they sit there and sing songs all day? Well, they evidently did do some singing from the early records. They evidently did some reading of letters from ministers all over because the kingdom is not just a congregation, it's a network. And they needed that network at the fall of Jerusalem because all the Christians had to pour out of Jerusalem before its final destruction and travel all throughout the empire with nothing because when they left Jerusalem, they could not take anything with them. They had to leave everything behind, their houses, their, their uh, money, everything. They could only leave uh, at the gate with what the... Jews, or those that say they were Jews but were actually the synagogue of the adversary of Christ, uh, would allow them to take. And they wouldn't let them take any gold or silver, so they could take no money with them. And they wouldn't let them take a lot of their possessions. They probably didn't allow them to even take animals. It appears from the reports that they were allowed to simply walk out with the clothes on their back and, and not even go back for their coat. They just had to... You know, give everything they had away to the Jews that were going to stay there and defend Jerusalem against their king because they had no king but Caesar and uh, where did they go? Well they went in a network. They didn't just depend on their local congregation. We see that back earlier in Acts when there was a dearth they took up a collection and helped out people. How can you do that? How will you know who to help? How will you know where to send the money unless you're a living network now? When calamity hits, you're not going to be able to form that network then. You have to form it now. Uh, that is what they were doing in church, was forming that network. We talk in our article on christening. There was christening in the early church. There was clearly evidence that there was some of that. Why was that? 
because it, without that water baptism, that baby's going to hell. That's modern religious thinking. Uh, what was hell? What was uh, what was the adversary of Christ? It was these governments that operated like Nimrod, that forced the contributions of the people, that did not operate according to the perfect law of liberty, but according to the excusia of government rather than this excusia of the individual. Excusia meaning the right to choose, the liberty to choose. If the government has the liberty to say how much you have to give for your welfare and the welfare of your society, then the government has authority over you and you're back in Egypt, you're back in Babylon. If you have that right, then you may be in the kingdom. You may not be in the kingdom. Because what determines whether you're in the kingdom or not is are you doing the will of the king, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. So if you form a congregation, are you interested only in your congregation? No. You're interested in all other congregations because you're not a congregationalist. You're a kingdomite. You're a, a, a Christian, a follower of Christ who preached a kingdom, not a congregation. But you need those congregations. And those congregations are what? They are assemblies of family. So you need the family. And what is a family? It's a union of individuals by blood and love. And the congregation is very much the same. And how do you have a congregation without diluting the power of the family, which is really the institution of God? You pick ministers who operate by faith, hope, and charity only. That means that you have to tie to them and support them and provide for them. If you're not paying taxes, and you should be, you should be probably paying those taxes. But you're going to have to start learning what it means to be the kingdom of God and provide for the benefits of your neighbors in that kingdom. And even for the neighbors that are in the world, occasionally when they need help. And if you were really following the ways of the kingdom, which Moses taught and Abraham taught and Jesus Christ taught and the, the apostles taught, you will have the resources necessary to do that. And with every new member of this network of congregations, you will become richer when that new member comes in the Spirit of Christ. So this is why in the early meetings that we see in 150 A.D., we actually have kind of an itinerary of those meetings from uh, Justin the Martyr, who wrote an apology to Antonius Pius, who was the emperor right before Marcus Aurelius, who required that even Christians register their children and get birth certificates uh, of that registration at the Temple of Saturn, uh, or they were in violation of the law. You had 30 days to do it. Now you have five days to do it. Welcome to Rome. But the Christians had their own system. Why did Marcus Aurelius fear the Christians? Because they were mean and uh, ogreous and uh, selfish? No, because they were well organized. They were in contact with their ministers on a weekly, even a daily basis. And their ministers were in contact with each other on a weekly or daily basis. They would actually go to feasts and meet and talk 
the government of the people, for the people, and by the people. They were men of service, seeking ways in which to serve their community. We talk about that in the governments of the world, but we find more often than not that politicians are self-serving or serving special interests. We need to be that government of God. Now, it sounds like everybody's hearing me. I don't know what's going on in the chat room. I see that uh, the sound is good, that, which is finally the first time we were able to accomplish that. I've got to go a little extra mileage here in order to make it happen right now. But thanks to the gracious uh, hosting, uh, uh, very quiet in the chat room. Usually that means that they're listening to me instead of in the world of their own. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, that was a note from uh, Scott. Uh, uh, we, we always joke about the Scott uh, that that the uh, chat room often uh, develops a life of its own, uh, separate from that of the program. But imagine you're in a world on this planet, thousands of people, millions of people, billions of people. How do they organize themselves? How do they gather together? How do they protect themselves from famines, floods, earthquakes? How do they protect themselves from each other? You look at a community watch. You know, when there's a hue and cry, there's no crime on the streets. The criminals run from fear of the people. They don't run because you close your shades. They ran because you came out and stood by your neighbor and said, What is this? Why are you doing this to my neighbor? There's more of you than there are bureaucrats. Go watch the movie Bugs Life. You know, I mean, it's an astounding revelation. I says, Wait a minute. You guys are acting so tough because you're afraid of us. Now, we, we have to be as harmless as doves. We don't want to threaten them. We want to hold them accountable to God, even to their own gods. And this is what you see in Acts 24 with Paul. Tertullius is accusing him. He's defending the kingdom here. They're operating by faith, open charity in the kingdom, but that's not the way Ananias has been operating. That's not the way uh, uh, Tartulus uh, had been operating. It's the way Christ was operating. Felix heard these things. You know, people wonder why did Paul appeal to Rome? Paul had been responsible for the lives of martyrs that he had taken away and facilitated the taking away of those lives. By appealing to Rome, no Felix, no Agrippa would want to take a case against the Christian until Rome decided, is Christ the King? We need to understand that he was buying time for Christianity to form that network that they would need during the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. 
Now we see history repeating itself, and we should be forming that living network of loving people to care for one another and be a part of that kingdom of God preached by Jesus Christ. We need to be the kingdom. And the way you do that is you care about your family enough to form a congregation of record. Why do I say congregation of record? Because it's not just a loose group that just you know occasionally meets. It actually is religiously meeting and saying, how are you guys doing? What do you need? Well, can we help? That's the first question. Now, as a congregation, you need to ask, how can we help other congregations? Because we're not just congregationalists. We're kingdom seekers. Are we kingdom seekers? Are we out to save ourselves? Christ came to save others. Are your congregations meeting to provide services for others or services for yourselves? You see, it's a whole different... We are turning the world upside down. But in order to see things straight, you have to turn your thinking upside down. They didn't preach a church. They preached a kingdom. And at Pentecost, anybody who got the baptism of Jesus Christ was cast out of the social welfare system of the world, of the organized state. You know, in Acts 24:14 it says, But this I confess unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. The word heresy there, it's translated four times heresy in the Bible. Five times it's translated sect, as in religious sect. What does it mean? The definition is act of taking, capture, or storming a city. Second definition, choosing, choice. Third definition, that which is chosen. A body of men, a body of men following their own tenets. They translate that heresy. It's not an individual who's just got a bad idea. It's a body of men following their own tenets. Uh, it says here there's a kind of a question coming up. I think it's a question. Uh, seems at least some of the writings amongst the Essenes suggest Pentecost was arrived at by counting seven Sabbaths and then from that point of the seventh Sabbath counting another additional 50 days, uh, making Pentecost fully come at last 
at last Sabbath of the fourth fourth month, late summer, versus still the spring as it is observed these days. The reality is, is what uh, we we have this idea that there was a Pentecost at the time, and we also are told that the, there were these uh, twelve apostles and 120 in the upper room, and they had this dissension of the Holy Spirit, these tongues that appeared as tongues of fire, flickering flames, uh, much as the flickering wings of a dove appeared over Jesus Christ. Uh, in broad daylight. Uh, and this is a phenomenon that, uh, you know, I know people have seen this phenomenon in our modern time. Uh, the reality is, is that we know that the biblical text said that if you got the baptism of Jesus Christ, we're about to go into a break here, but if you got the baptism of Jesus Christ, you were cast out of the welfare system that was operated through the temple and, and, the, and the synagogues. And that's what happened, according to the Bible, of Pentecost. They were all cast out of one system. Were they ready for the new system of Christ? You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www. Dot hisholychurch.net If you'd like to get a copy of this program, you may subscribe at libertyradiolive.com for only $45 a month, and you'll receive an MP3 CD weekly of all the First Amendment Rights Media Group programs. As a bonus, we'll send you a password for our audio archives online. That's a $15 value. Or you can request any month of any program on one MP3 CD for a minimum donation of only $20. Or any single program on tape, MP3 CD, or CD for only $15. You can do all this online at LibertyRadioLive.com. Just follow the instructions to make a donation or subscribe. Don't do Internet? Then call 559-781-3773, 559-781-3773, and we'll be honored to help you. Thank you from all of us here at the First Amendment Rights Media Group. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom, to the second hour. And we're still going to be talking about the kingdom of God and what that early church looked like and what it was actually doing. It didn't even call itself the church. It didn't call themselves Christians at first. They called this the way. They were still considered Jews. They were still keeping the Sabbath. 
they had calendars. Uh, the Essenes had a different calendar than the Pharisees, and there's always been an issue of calendars, the same as there's been an issue as where the temple should be. And the original temple was a tent that moved around. And the fact is, is that the stars and the sky and the sun and, the, and even the earth can be moved out of place and move around. They can shift about, but God is the rock of our salvation through Christ. And so what should we be focusing on? Should we be focusing on uh, some sort of piece of ground over in the uh what we call Israel today? Should we be focusing on a temple somewhere that somebody's going to build out of dead stone? Should we be focusing on calendars, issues, which day, count the days, count the holidays, count the... you know, the clocks that men have to make because God is not actually walking with them in their hearts and in their minds. We should be walking with God and we will know what day it is. We will know because God is with us. He is our calendar keeper. The calendar controversy has been a great divisor of the people, uh, dividing them and leading them in many, many, many different directions. Uh, We become keepers of days instead of keeping the word of God that does not flow from the mouth of men, but from God himself in the hearts and minds of men. This is the covenant that we will be guided in our hearts and in our minds by God because we will be walking with God. We will be back in paradise this day because we have let go of our own pride, our own arrogance, our own self-interest and sacrificed ourselves for others because that's the nature of Christ. And unless you seek the nature of Christ, how can Christ live in you? The apostles want to know what day. When shall the kingdom come? What day? Jesus wouldn't tell them. Why didn't he bring out his calendar and say, well, look here, uh, this is this day, and you count these days, and then it'll be that day. No. He said, go back to Jerusalem and wait. No man knows that day. God makes the day. Now, that doesn't mean not to have calendars. The tithing men used to meet on the full moon. Why did they meet on the full moon? Because there was no street lights in England <laughs> at that time. And uh, meetings would run into the night. And you had to get around at night. And that's easier when there's a full moon when there's not. When you don't have street lights. It's a, and you can tell, hey, I'm, I can see the moon every night. I know that meeting's coming up. And why do they have to have a calendar? Why didn't they just show up? Well, they weren't all walking in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so they needed a calendar as a substitute. They held, uh, and their calendar was the moon. They could see it's going to be a full moon in two days. You know, like uh, Crocodile Dundee looks at the watch, and then looks up at the sun when the girl's looking and says, oh, it's about one o'clock. Well, actually, most guys can 
you know, live outside and see the sun every day. They know about what time it is because they can see the sun and they measure the time that way. We need to measure the time according to the Holy Spirit. It's fine to study your calendars, but let's not worship calendars. Let's worship God. Now, we were talking about worship earlier in the program, for those of you who are with us. So, what is the word worship in the New Testament? Well, there are many words in the New Testament that are translated worship. There's one of them, Latrue. I probably can't. Latrue. Uh, and it'll often appear as La Truo. And it's translated worship. But it's also translated serve. It's also translated worshiper. It's also translated do the service. It comes from a word latris, which means a hired menial. To serve, to hire. Well, everybody in the United States has been hired by the United States and their employees of the United States, and they serve and buy their gifts, even though they are forced gifts. They are still their gifts, their contributions. They pay homage to the gods of their world. They even belong to the religion of Social Security and take care of the needy by their love of that which they worship even though that love is forced. That is their religion. Social Security is their religious institution. And the priests of Social Security are their priests. And the ministers they go to on the weekends, that's their entertainment section. And most of those are nothing more than employees of the gods that they serve. The latris, they are hired menials working in Egypt. So what do you do in the kingdom of God? That is what we're asking ourselves. What did they do in the church? As I said, and you can look up in the baptismal articles that we have online... And I'll, I'll mention real quickly what christening was all about. Yeah, they christened youth because they needed to prove that their youth was a part of their system. And they needed to document that. Because if the parents died or were arrested, the government of the world could say, well, these children are one of ours, and they could confiscate those children and take them away and redistribute them to other pagans who are a part of their world. And so the Christians needed to make a record that these children were a part of their kingdom, their government. And that they would take care of. And they needed to have the testimony of the parents and the testimony of witnesses. And that's where we have modern christening. You have sponsors, witnesses, who will take this child. They call them godparents. But the church 
is a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. When you get your children baptized in the church, there's no sacred uh, spiritual power that will enter into that child because of water poured over his head. But when you document that, your minister should be able to go into a court of law in the case of the incapacitation of the parents and say, these children belong to those parents and they have given us the power according to these documents to say that these children must go to these people within the church. And you don't have a right to turn them over to some gay couple in New Jersey simply because you've incarcerated the parents for alleged crimes or because they died in an automobile accident. They were contending with the law, with judgment, with mercy and faith, and they were attending to it diligently as congregations in a chain of authentication. So much so that even before Constantine, property that belonged to the ministers and they needed that property in order to provide the services of the people, they were cast out of every other welfare system throughout Rome was being returned to the church because they were providing the social welfare of those people. And judges said, hey, these guys, like Festus, like Agrippa, but now much later, were saying, I, I would almost want to be a Christian. These guys are organized. They care about one another. They tithe to their ministers without being forced to by, with a gun like we do over here in the world. They are a government of the people, for the people, and by the people, operating according to the perfect law of liberty. They aren't all caught up in rituals and, and rights. They're caught up in love for one another. Picture that. Is that what we're striving for? Are we striving from some, some sort of self-righteous position? That we know it all, that we're saved, that we're we're blessed and we're the chosen of God. The Pharisees did that. They claimed that. But what weren't they doing? They weren't attending to the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. Do you have every member of your congregation of record baptized into the kingdom as a matter of legal record? Uh, that is eventually notarized by your church notary so that it becomes a legal document that can be taken into a court and held up to bar the interference of any other person who would assume jurisdiction over those children. Over, over you. If you're not doing that for others, why should anybody do that for you? As you judge, so shall you be judged. Are you diligently making yourselves a congregation of record amongst congregations of record to provide the social systems and welfare and chain of authentication that all other governments provide? If you're not, 
then why should anybody provide anything for you? Okay, we got another question here. Uh, well, Jesus practiced the Passover, and didn't he want us to practice the Passover? So don't we need to know when to practice the Passover? Well, the Passover is a practice that is within the home. It is usually someone who has the biggest home within a congregation. And they invite everybody in for the evening to eat a meal of lamb. And that lamb is roasted whole, according to tradition. Well, to eat a lamb roasted whole requires more than a three-member family. Because when the meal is over, you can't save the leftovers. You have to burn it up. So what is, what is being instituted by this ritual? Is the ritual important or the purpose of the ritual important? If you focus on the ritual alone and don't understand the purpose of the ritual, you are wasting everybody's time. You are wasting your time. Because you will be caught up in the ritual and the right instead of in the righteousness and purpose of the ritual. So what happens is that people are, have to invite other people into their home in order, unless you've got a lot of sons who really like to eat meat, in order to eat that lamb and waste it not. you got one night to eat that lamb. The more the merrier. So you get all those people in that house. So it's a family gathering. It's a congregational gathering uh, of maybe as many as ten families, uh, which could be, you know, the 100-pound uh, lamb, uh, a carcass weight. Uh, you're talking half a pound of meat per person. And we had 100 people. What a gathering. Uh, amazing. A lot of, lot of lamb. Uh, you got to eat it all. You got one night to do it in. And now, if you're having Passover on one day and somebody in New Jersey is having Passover on another day, that really doesn't affect the purpose of Passover. And you're not going to get an edge on the Holy Spirit by calculating it out with a calendar. Find to study the calendar. But the important thing is that everybody show up on that same day. Yeah, because you don't want to come in a day late or you won't get any lamb. And so, yeah, I think uh, celebrating the Passover is a great idea, a great endeavor. But let's look at the purpose of it, to bring those people together, to contemplate a kingdom, not a calendar, to uh, enforce the workings of the Holy Spirit through love and sharing. That's what Passover is all about, is love and sharing. Getting you out behind your computer screen and into an actual room with other people outside of your family to share a meal with one another and to share the hope and prayers of the kingdom and to begin to worship 
God by being of service to one another. You will eventually be revealed which calendar is right if you begin to walk towards the kingdom by doing the things that are kingdom things. It, how long did the apostles walk with one another? Three years with Jesus Christ, according to most estimates. Uh, they clearly knew each, many of them knew each other even before that ministry with Christ began. Even after the crucifixion, they still didn't understand and the kingdom. Forty more days with Jesus Christ, according to tradition, and they were still having trouble coming together in one accord. And they finally did. Why were they all in one place in one room? Well, yeah, Pentecost may have been coming up. They, we also know they had been hiding out. They had uh, been trying to figure it out. They still didn't know when is the kingdom coming. And again, when Christ was asked, the kingdom coming, and so well, Passover. He said, "Go back to Jerusalem and wait." If you know the day but don't have the spirit, you won't be at the right place at the right time. I can guarantee that because you have to be in the spirit. You cannot calculate your way into the kingdom. You have to submit and let God write upon your hearts and upon your minds. And I, I won't get into calendar arguments because that is the road to the ways of the Pharisees. You know, I'll, I'll look at it and I'll discuss it in, in uh, campfire meetings and congregational meetings. But I'm not going to impose this calendar on anybody or that calendar on anybody or any calendar on anybody. I'm not going to impose anything on anybody. I and my family will not rule over you or nor over your calendar. You work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You see if you can't just come together with ten people, ten families. If you can do that, you're on your way to the kingdom. If you can do it out of love for one another rather than what you can get out of the congregation and how the congregation can serve your needs or your desires, you're on your road to the kingdom. You have to start casting your bread upon the waters in hopes it may come back to you. Hey, you do that and you'll know what day it is. You'll know when to meet and when not to meet. There's always this famous story of a minister who was preaching against uh, some of the things the Nazis were doing in Germany and they came in and the brown shirts came in and beat the tar out of him and many of his parishioners so that they couldn't meet in their church anymore. He says, well, we'll just meet wherever God leads us to meet. And they had meetings every week during the war. But many of the people never could figure out where the meetings were, but many of them did figure out where they were. But they wouldn't set a particular time and place. 
But yet they know Dumit. How did they know Dumit? That's the kind of kingdom, you know, whether the story is true or not, I don't know. But I know that that's the kind of spiritual walk we need. God will write his calendar on our hearts and upon our minds. If we will begin to walk, turn around and walk in the direction of the kingdom. And the kingdom is the right to be ruled by God in each of our hearts as individuals. There are many people saying, oh yeah, I'm seeking the kingdom. I know Jesus. I know this. I know that. Do they? If you let God write on your heart and your mind, you will know where to be and when to be there. We only... Calendars are crutches. The, the stone temple led the people away from the ways of God. It was not glorious. It was something to weep over. And stone tablets were given us with the Ten Commandments because our hearts were too hard for God to write upon. So he wrote it upon stone. We need to wake up to the ways of the kingdom. And then uh, you will begin to see more and know more about the kingdom and what day it is and what day it is not. You know, all those statutes of Moses were trying to point out what the people couldn't see even with the Ten Commandments. But all the laws hinge upon those two things. Do you love one another as much as you love yourselves? Do you love God the Father who gives life, doesn't take it away? When you tithe to your ministers that you believe are actually seeking the kingdom and seeking ways of bringing people together and finding the lost sheep, you are sacrificing your life for others. Not just to build your congregation, your little safe, secure group, your little group of survivalists, or whatever it is that you form your, your little back-scratching community of congregations, you're actually thinking kingdom and trying to find the lost sheep. And that's what we need to be starting to do. We've made a little progress here today. Evidently, the sound is working pretty good. <coughs> i got to find the mute button on this so that I can clear my throat. We've been haying out here in Summer Lake, and uh, we've been literally up to our chin and beyond in uh, hay bales and uh, stacking them up, and uh, it gives me a little congestion in the morning, uh, but uh, we're getting through it. We start the meadow haze here in a day or so. Uh, we've got water back on the fields to feed the cows that will hopefully feed many people and feed the needs uh, and, and feed our sheep. Uh, the next crop was, is for the sheep, the second cutting. That goes for the sheep for Passover <laughs> so that we can uh, butcher those uh, lambs with no toxins in them. Uh, the field that we're farming has been organic field for years. We don't certify it organic because you need to put a social security number on the cards and all that stuff. There was a debate this week or last week uh, uh, 
amongst the PCMs trying to figure, well, you can't call it organic or they'll come down on you with both feet. Uh, so they were trying to figure out what would, would be something good to call it, and I can't remember all of the suggestions, but uh, uh, one is uh, natural, I think you could maybe use. Uh, there's probably restrictions on that. Uh, then I thought, well, let's call it supernatural. Because uh, so, <laughs> we're not just natural, we're supernatural. Uh, but ultimately what we, we call it is blessed. Uh, the Jews call it kosher, but we call it blessed because we try to produce uh, food that is really healthy and as uh, empty of all uh, the uh, problems that you get with uh, vaccines and uh, uh, GMOs and all these kinds of things. We try to get away from that uh, as much as we can. And okay. Yes? I was just going to throw one out that I remembered from that email exchange was from Mike down in Florida, and he said, uh, produce, according to him, dressed and kept. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the, and the, the, I think the message is in uh, uh, the vocabulary that we often try to use in expressing this. But, uh, yeah, we don't want too much uniformity. One of the, the reasons that the totalitarian church grew to such power and has influenced the thinking of the people so much about what the gospel of the kingdom has been, which uh, really took place about a thousand years ago when the beast uh, was unchained, uh, and uh, demons came out of hell and began to produce this artificial religion that everybody thinks has saved them, um, is that they imposed the uniformity of religious rites. Uh, they thought the church was too scattered in the way in which it had its rituals. They wanted to get everybody on what? The same day, the same calendar, um, the same uh, uh, outside appearance. Uh, get us all in uniforms, so, so to speak, a uniformity of rights. Um, that we don't want to be focusing on that. That that is the first sign of the apostate church rising to power, is to impose the uniformity of rights. So yeah, I'd like to see a variety of things to to call it. Uh, we don't want to become simple labeled in nomenclature. Uh, but uh, how do they know us by our calendar? How do they know us by our uh, uniforms? by our consistency and rituals or do they know us by our love for one another and let God write his calendar upon our hearts and upon our minds and we will know the date uh, because uh, that's what the apostles had to do and that's why they ended up I mean they didn't set the date for the uh, tongues of fire or the cloven uh, tongues of fire to come on them God sets that date and they mark that point from that point on. And that's what we need to do. So, uh, I just want to make a comment. I'm being a little lighthearted here, but I kind of like the idea of uh, people having lots of different Passovers based on when they do it because that means I get to go to a lot, a lot of different parties and meet a lot of people. Yeah, that's actually, I've had guys uh, did, uh, said that. Uh, he, he went to at least three Passovers a year. <laughs> and he, 
he had his fill of lamb. He told me about one Passover he went to where somebody was trying to follow the guidelines in the Bible and the preparation of the sheep. And evidently, they must have missed a chapter somewhere, but uh, they didn't actually skin this sheep before they roasted it. They didn't even gut it before they roasted it. <laughs> Uh, if you want to do it kosher, you you take out all the intestines, you wash those intestines out, <laughs> and then you put certain amount of those things back inside in order to provide certain amount of moisture as you're roasting that sheep. But if you don't gut it first and do that, you're going to see a lot of serious physics uh, in your science experiment <laughs> that you may not want to have seen. But anyway, we're going to go to another commercial break here in a moment, now that I recognize the beepings that I get. And uh, we'll talk more about the kingdom. And uh, maybe we could have a Passover, or at least a roasted lamb here this fall. Uh, at the retreat. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you. Because you love the truth, LibertyRadioLive.com. The program you are listening to is 100% sponsored by you, the listener, on this First Amendment Rights Media channel. You will notice that there are few commercials on this radio network. There's a good reason for that. Corporate advertising dollars come with strings that limit program content. So without your help, these programs cannot continue on Internet or our several affiliates. If you benefit by the educational law programs, we ask you to give. If you are admonished or nurtured by the Bible and ministry programs, we ask you to give. If some voice a cause that you are passionate about, we ask you to give. If you believe in any of these, we ask you to support them as you would a missionary on a continual basis, as if giving a tithe for Missionary Radio. These programs are not commercially viable and must be supported by those faithful to the cause of truth. Look for the button to sponsor your favorite programs at our Listen and Schedule pages on the Internet. Then, when you subscribe, we will send you the last quarterly MP3 CD of that program immediately and continue to do so with each new quarter. We will also give you unlimited archive access to all of our programs. We're asking you to give much less than a tithe so that you may also send support directly to a particular program host, cause, and anywhere else the Spirit may lead you. Do all to the glory of our God and Creator, for His holy nation, the only kingdom that will last forever. Thank you for listening.
If you read the history books, the most often asked question to Southerners was this, why did you fight? And the most often given answer is, because you're here. In other words, the South did not invade the North, the North invaded the South. Was it the Civil War or War of Federal Aggression? John Weaver sets the record straight in this DVD series on the Civil War from the Old Past Christian History Conference. Was there a war to set the slaves free? Or was it a war to enslave us all? Get this DVD and judge for yourself. War of Federal Aggression. The truth seems strange only because we've been indoctrinated with a fiction. War of Federal Aggression. Get it today. Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. 559-781-3773. Well, we're back with uh, Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, suddenly my sound seems different, but I guess I'm still being heard. Um, the, uh, the question originally came from Dennis as to what that early church was doing in its meetings. And when you realize that the early church was the sole social welfare of a system, a nation of people that were gathered together into tens, hundreds, and thousands of families all over Europe, uh, Asia, uh, Asia Minor, everywhere. Uh, and these people were linked together uh, through this network. Uh, they kept the feast. They met all over uh, the world. Uh, at that time. They were considered a viable republic in the heart of the Roman Empire. What you do at those meetings were government-oriented meetings uh, based on a government of free will choice and liberty in action. Uh, it was the perfect law of liberty. You, you paid your tithe because you taxed yourself for the good of others and for the support of your government and the support of your ministers. And your ministers were men of service, not looking for power, not looking to dictate to you, to tell you how to do this and how to do that, but having the total power of choice over whether or not they're going to serve you. Now, you know for a fact that some ministers will be bribed by the rich men of your community. But if the poor will come together, if the middle class of your community will come together and seek righteousness of God in everything, that will, that will thin itself out. And you will not have corrupt ministers. You will not have ministers who seek power. You will have ministers who seek service. It's up to you. It's this symbiotic relationship between you and your ministers. He needs you. You need him. You need each other. But you need each other in answering that need in, through love, not dictation, not uh, autocratic rule over each other, saying you have to do it this way, you have to do it that way. We have some people that are keeping the Sabbath, we ha uh, or you know what they in the way they think they should keep the Sabbath. We have other people who are not keeping the Sabbath. We have other people who are not doing what they ought to be doing and sharing 
in the way that they should be sharing. We have others that are still using Sunday. We have others that are going to Lutheran Church, uh, Baptist churches. That's fine. That's where they're at. That's where they're coming from. We're about seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That means we have to learn to take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity only. Tending diligently to the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. And some of the things that we talked about... Are you forming congregations of record? Some people say, oh, well, why? I'm already helping people out. I'm already doing nice things. Why do I need to form a congregation of record? Well, you can't see the need for that because you have financial social security. I mean, not the government's social security, your own personal financial social security. You don't have a need for that because you, have, you don't see the need. You, you help some people out, but are you doing it in a kingdom fashion, or are you doing it just because, you know, I help people out. I feel good about the fact that I help people out. The kingdom was a vast network of well-organized, well-self-disciplined, self-starting individuals who were seeking to provide an alternative to the government of Babylon, the government of Rome, the government of Egypt, which everybody else was addicted to, from uh, free bread and circuses to TV and welfare. What should have been for your welfare has become a snare, but the church is the alternative to that snare. And so when you gather together, it's not just about helping somebody who needs a little car help or needs to find a job or needs to uh, needs a little help uh, for food or health. It's about being the government of God. That will just be absolutely terrifying to the world that they actually see us doing what that is. Most churches don't even know what the early church was doing. So they were gathering together and giving reports about other people, just like the singers of the Old Testament, going about telling what this congregation and this congregation of congregation was doing. You know, they're having a a drought in Texas. They're having a flood in Omaha. Uh, We need to know this. So that if suddenly the people in Omaha and and, uh, surrounding communities uh, like at Lowe's Hills have to leave, where can they go? Well, we're a tiny little network right now. Tiny little network. We're talking hundreds of people, not tens of thousands of people. We should become millions of people. We will never be in a majority. Uh, But when we start reaching out and finding other people who say, hey, yeah, that's the way we should be. We're really Christians. We should be the entire social welfare system of our community. Not just the token welfare system helping out somebody here and there. Uh, not just, you know, uh, helping out some widow who needed more than her Social Security check. We actually are providing all the services of our need so that our righteousness exceeds that of theirs. Uh, people talk about, uh, somebody was talking about. Uh, uh, you know, there's so many ways we could approach this, you know, uh, the sanctity of marriage. Well, if you have a state license, there's no sanctity of your marriage. You already have a threesome. You have a three-party contract with the state where they have more authority than the husband, the father. You've already cut off the heads of the father. 
You don't need guillotines to come into this country. You've already cut it off. Like I said, you already have a cashless society. You've already cut off the heads of your fathers. You've already made your church impotent, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. You're all incorporated entities to one degree or another. Yeah, now it's time to repent and turn around and seek another way. You can't leap into the kingdom. You have to seek it. You have to change your ways of taking care of your needy and pure religion. We aren't doing that. We can't identify ourselves as members of the kingdom of God. We can't even really identify ourselves as ambassadors of the kingdom of God. We seek to be the ambassadors of the kingdom of God by providing the services to the sheep of that kingdom. Those that hear his voice which was to love one another in the perfect law of liberty, tending to the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. So if your congregation isn't setting a record to protect every child in that congregation, those of you who know what I'm talking about with Spud and Jay, uh, if it is true, I believe it is with Spud, I don't remember if it is with Jay, never having had a Social Security number. Now, Spud's my age or at least in my generation, never having had a Social Security number, that's a precious thing. He doesn't ever have a contract. He can't even, he can't even make a contract now because of Title 42, Section 666. He's already cast out. Now, if you become an ordained minister of the church according to the precepts of Jesus Christ, you can be cast out again right now. And we can hear the rumors that they're talking about opting out. Opting out to what? Well, yeah, if you got your little safe little haven, you can opt out to there and hide out. But that's not kingdom thinking. We need to make enclaves everywhere. Will we be persecuted? You bet. It goes with the job description. You know, will we run into inconveniences? You know, you have our ID. That not guarantee that you're going to get to the airport. That may guarantee that you get arrested. You know, the prejudice will come when their system begins to collapse and our system, the system of Christ, begins to work and actually function the way it's meant to be. We're not doing that now. We're seeking to do that. And it will take your support and your labor and your humility and your self-sacrifice because that's the nature of Christ. He didn't come to be served, but to serve others. And those I see serving, I want to serve them to make their service more potent, to make their church more potent. So that that power of the Holy Spirit will enter into them, not me. I want it to enter into me too, but I want it in them as much as I want it in me. I want them to be able to walk into court and the judge bow down to them. That's possible with the Holy Spirit. I've told those stories before. That's a real thing. You have to set your pride, your anger, your selfishness aside and become a true, humble servant. Patient, long-suffering, like Christ was. Oh, Christ had to deal with these apostles. 
years they walked with him and they still couldn't figure it out. We need to be that blessed kingdom. And we cannot do that with our own power. We're not His holy church. We seek to be His holy church. We seek to be His blessing to all nations, to be the priest to all nations and show them, yeah, you can operate a society by faith, hope, and charity with men who have patience and love for one another, sacrificing for one another, giving to one another, waiting on, you know, when you come to church, ask not what your church can do for you, but ask rather what you can do for your fellow congregational members. And your felt that means also those other congregations that are networked with you through a chain of ministerial service, not rule. I and my family will not rule over you. I and all the other ministers I seek to know will not rule over you because they don't come to rule over you. They come to serve and to find out what day is the day of the Lord. And when we really diligently do that, every day will be the day of the Lord. We'll take our Sabbath, our day of rest, and then Sunday morning we will be the servants of God. Right now, we're having this radio program on Sabbath. I should be at home resting. (laughs) I had to come all the way down here to the Summer Lake Lodge here in Summer Lake in order to get DSL so that you can hear my voice so I don't sound like I'm way off in the distance. Uh, So much for my Sabbath. (laughs) Two and a half hours of talking. we will probably have to move the program eventually to Sunday so I can actually get a Sabbath now. (laughs) But I know that the Sabbath is not what you do on Saturday. It's what you do the six days prior to your day of rest, whatever day it is on. That's the Sabbath keeping. Is that you earn the right to rest. And if the church is to be a place of rest... For those who seek the kingdom of God, then we have to work the six days first and earn the right to say, yes, we are the church. That's going to be the big question that comes up. Who is the real church? Will the real church please stand up? Will the real church stand up and do what Christ said? We're not forming another church. There's one church. It was established by Christ. We're trying to figure out what that looks like and conform to Christ's desire, will, and rule for that church that he established. He took the kingdom away from the Pharisees who were focused on rituals and rites and appearance and said he would give it to those who bore fruit and it was his pleasure to give it to that little flock who were his ambassadors his apostolic chosen and they anointed other men in other words they recognized in other men that they were anointed of God and the power of God operated through that the church is apostolic 
You can't just run off and do your own thing. You have to run off and do Christ's thing. Just as there was from generation to generation as the kingdom. And the purpose of the church is to purify those generations. To bring those families together. Doing the will of the Father. Forming a group that is the kingdom of God. A body of men. Doing not their own thing, but the thing of our Father in heaven. And when we say our prayers, we will say them openly in that church. We have not enough food to get through this week. We have not enough funds to seek the sheep that are lost in this wilderness of lies and rulers. (coughs) It is not Obama that said that that fellow couldn't get on the plane. It's not Homeland Security that said that that widow, that that individual couldn't get on the plane. It was one simple little dictator bureaucrat with a Napoleonic complex who didn't care what the rules are. He was going to exercise authority outside of the realm of his authority. But who's going to come to your defense? If the Holy Spirit is with you, I've gotten through those gates time and time again. Was it the card? I had a guy had a card identical to mine showing it to him. And they were about to reject it. And I could see that this guy was going to reject it and say, no. And so I took my card, looked identical, and passed it in front of the guy there from SDA or whatever it is, uh, not SDA, whatever the, their initials are. <laughs> I passed it in front of him, and he saw my card. And he said, oh, oh, another one, okay. And he let us go. Was it the card or the spirit? Is it the day or the Holy Spirit? Which of it is that makes us the true church established by Jesus Christ. It's that Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And occasionally you might get a chance to see that as a tongue of fire. Uh, A cloven tongue. And it will be because you are not just in accord with one another or your calendar. It will be because you are in accord with the Holy Spirit. I hope we're still on. I see some changes on this. I seem to have lost some uh, of the stuff. But anyway, uh, we've only got about eight minutes left uh, of the show. And uh, we're going to try to get it so that we can have more call and so it's not just me rambling on. But if you want the services of the kingdom, you have to be of service to the kingdom. If you want to uh, uh, become the congregation of God, you have to care about your congregation and other congregations as much as you care about your own family, about your own self. It's not about survival. It's about service one to another. 
on that note, Greg, can I throw something in? Sure, absolutely. Uh, I just wanted to make a comment. Uh, I know some of the people may not have heard Phyllis at the end of the blog talk show, but she was making a comment about how some of the congregations have been around for a little longer than uh, others, and you know people come into the network all the time. Um, I try to do a, a talk show every Monday night at 7 Central Time, and I leave the topic open to anybody that comes into that talk show to discuss whatever they want to discuss. And uh, that might be, that's one of those things I was kind of hoping for when I decided to do it was to get questions and discussions outside of the Saturday thing for people that want to continue to find out what's going on. Um, particularly with Lost Hills, since that's, we're hosting the talk show. So I just wanted to make that comment to Phyllis and others. You can join us every Monday night at 7 p.m. for an hour. Uh, and uh, I think there's another talk show that's also put on by the guys at the Northeast. Uh, and I know that Phyllis was going to start putting on a talk show uh, to help form a congregation of record in their own area. Uh, and it didn't have a showing that she liked either. Uh, she would lo- love to have more and more people get enthusiastic. It seems like some people see the importance of these congregations and other people think that it's a good idea and they're waiting for somebody to make it happen. The, the critical thing that I've discovered over the years is that one individual does not make a congregation. The congregation makes it. And one of the things that I, I sent a post out this morning to the PCMs is that there's been a number of the PCMs, uh, personal contact ministers that have been elected by two or more people. And they have not supplied me with a picture or a blurb or an email stating that they wanted to be a PCM. Uh, I've had a couple of emails that said they wanted to and they were going to get back to me with a picture and a little blurb about why they're here and who they are, etc., that we have up on our contact minister's page. They haven't gotten back to doing that. And so... Don't hold them up as a contact minister. They may be elected. But in the kingdom, you don't get to elect the president and then go away for four years and then complain when he doesn't do what you want him to do. The elector and the electee (laughs) have a symbiotic relationship. They, the, the rulership, this is reversed. You're not electing a ruler who's going to go out and do everything for you. You're electing a servant, and it's up to you to make sure that he does what is required of him. When Israel lost sight of that, that's when the next thing out of their mouth was, is that we want to have a king to make sure that the ones we elect do what we, they're supposed to be doing. And that was a rejection of God. It's the responsibility of every man within a congregation and every woman within a congregation uh, to uh, see to it that their minister is doing service to the congregation as a whole and to the congregations of congregations. So if you've elected a contact minister and he has not supplied us with a picture and a blurb, and he sent an email saying that, yeah, he wants to be a contact minister. Uh, he, he's not a contact minister in our eyes. We can't testify that he is. 
because he hasn't met even the minimum requirements. Now, once he's up there on that web page as a contact minister, uh, and we're holding him up, saying, yeah, we believe that this guy, because we believe what he says, he says he wants to do it, we believe these other guys who elected him, and then he does nothing. He doesn't contact any other contact minister. He, he may be doing something with his local group. He may be doing all kinds of things at home. He may be making bookshelves. Who knows? Um, but if he's not out there contacting other contact ministers and connecting us with the people in his congregation and connecting with other people, we will take him down because he hasn't given us continuous evidence that he is trying to do this. Now, there are some contact ministers who have given us very little information and very little contact, but we give a great deal of leeway and allowance. You know, um, There's a Paul who uh, we hear from hardly ever, but when we needed him in the area that he was in, he was there for us. So he's not a, he's not a big chatterbox on the email groups, but he was there when we needed him. That can go a long ways. But the guys who aren't there who, uh, when they're contacted and ask you why we never hear from them, and they say they want to be on the sidelines, they will remain on the sidelines completely, <laughs> and they will be taken down until we see them actually contacting other contact ministers and contacting people and making communication. It's like, a, you know, if I have a wire that goes computer terminal that doesn't, you know, doesn't give me any sound, I, I take it out and put another one in that works. So anyway, we're at the end of the program now. This has been fun. I guess everybody can hear us. So we'll join you next week, and maybe we'll have a call-in number. So thanks, Scott. Thanks, everybody in the chat Thanks, LibertyRadio.com. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.